This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, I'd like to share some strategies for how to prepare women for executive leadership. And there are 10 strategies I'd like to share with you today. I've been in the consulting world for executives for more than 30 years at this point. Most of the executives that I've worked with over that time have been men because that's who was in those leadership roles at the C-suite level and executive levels. In recent years, I have been working with more women who are either in their first executive role and position or who are being prepared to move into the executive space. And so these reflections and these strategies and ideas come from the work that I've been doing in recent years with women who are heading to the executive suite. So number one, I think one of the big needs that women have is to have someone to join with them to identify and celebrate their strengths, their skills, their talents, and their gifts. And you might think that this is really obvious to the women who are being considered for executive leadership or who are in that first role. However, sometimes they have minimized the importance of their success and may not always truly appreciate what they've accomplished or even what they've done so far along the journey. So take some time if you are working with women leaders to really help them see where they have gifts and strengths and abilities. A lot of times women are thinking that It's all about hard work, but these 10 strategies I'm going to share with you are beyond the hard work. They've already done the hard work to get to this point of being considered. So there are other variables that are important in addition to the work that they've already done. So I'm assuming that these women have already established a track record of success. They've done the hard work. So all of these strategies are over and above that. So help them again to identify key strengths and abilities. Number two, I would say, is to develop an enterprise-wide lens. Many times people are able to see what they do in their functional area, and they're looking at their work through an operational lens. When you move to the executive level, you have to go beyond an operational lens to also be really successful at seeing things from a strategic lens. This means if you're coming out of finance or sales or marketing or some other area, you have to look even more deeply at how all of the functions connect. What is the enterprise-wide impact of all of the functions collectively? And you need to understand how decisions in one place affect other areas. It's helpful if leaders have an opportunity to serve on some committees or on some short-term task forces where they are 
in meetings with people who are in other enterprise areas can learn more about them and understand the bigger picture, the whole, and how all of these pieces work together. So I think that this is one way, if you are developing executive women, that you can be useful going beyond the silo of the function to really looking at the enterprise as a whole. Thirdly, I would say that it's really important to establish key relationships with strategic stakeholders. And I often have my clients to create a stakeholder map where we look around the organization and find out who do they need to know and who needs to know them. And this also helps with number two about developing an enterprise-wide lens, because the more you are in connection with people elsewhere in the organization, you get that broader view as well. Sometimes women have had their heads held down for such a long time, their heads are to the grindstone, they really haven't looked up, haven't paid attention to who it is that they need to know, who do they need to have some partnerships with, as a matter of fact. Business is all about partnerships, both internally and externally. And some of those key relationships, those strategic stakeholders are also people outside of the organization. So the stakeholder map will include those who are close by, those who are far away. And remember I said, not only who they need to know, there are people in the organization who need to know them so that when people are in rooms, then these women leaders, their names will come up. Fourthly, I would say it's important to partner with the direct boss and sometimes other senior business leaders. And part of the reason for that is to really prepare for the new role, you need some visibility. A lot of times, women are the best kept secret. They're known in their own area. Their boss knows who they are. And the boss is often an executive. It's incumbent upon that person to make sure that other executives know that woman leader's name, know their accomplishments, know how they're adding value to the organization. So the direct boss or sometimes another senior executive in the organization can serve in that role of visibility with the right people in the right places. I also think that there's opportunity for those who are not yet in their first role and they're preparing for it. There's opportunity to partner with the boss so that the boss develops you and downloads important information for you to know and that the boss gives you opportunity to practice. Practice is really important. There will be times when the boss will be absent from the office and that woman leader has an opportunity to step into the boss's shoes to attend the meetings that the boss would normally attend, to convene meetings of the direct reports, and to make tough decisions while the boss is out. These are very important practice opportunities when the stakes are lower because the leader is not yet in that executive chair full time. So you can test out the waters, you can experience what it's like, And then when the boss comes back, you can debrief, what did you do? What did you learn? And reflect on that experience so that you learn something for the next time. And while the boss is still in place, the boss may give you additional input, additional feedback about how well you did, 
and what else could be considered and what else you could do with the circumstances that you faced in the boss's absence. This allows that woman leader to further see a picture of where they're strong, where their strengths are operating, and also where additional development is needed. So I think this is a really important opportunity to have if there is that chance for overlap or to serve with a boss who's in the executive chair before you actually get to the executive chair. And everything I'm talking about, by the way, male leaders also need to know these things. However, sometimes along the way, they've already had people pouring into their lives and showing them some of these ropes. With women, very often, they have not had those kinds of resources to come alongside them to show them and demonstrate what's possible and also what's necessary for success. So number five, I would say some information and instruction on how to delegate effectively. One of the things I think that women get concerned about even more than men very often is that when they are delegating work to their direct reports and to their team members, perhaps they're now overloading their team members. And they're very sensitive to this issue because they've been overloaded in their careers by the bosses that they've had. And often the plate was overflowing and way too full. And so sometimes in the effort to balance Developing that direct report in a new area, enhancing that direct report skills with the delegated task, and also balancing, making sure that that leader under them has balance in life and is not overloaded. Sometimes the women leaders will err on the side of not delegating enough, and very often they will retain too much on their own plates. So what's going to be really important is to identify the task on your plate that someone else could really do if you're a woman leader and something that would also develop the skills of that person you delegate to so it's value added for them in their careers and you retain on your plate only those things that only you can do. Anything anyone else can do For the most part, you want to offload most of those items and retain the more strategic items that require your input as a woman leader. So I think that when we talk about delegating effectively, it's not only recognizing that the tasks delegated do develop the person who the task is delegated to, you also want to spend some time helping that person to identify what the priorities are of all the tasks they have on their plate. And those priorities may change from week to week, day to day. And that's okay. That's the dynamic nature of business. So you may have to meet with them on a more frequent basis to figure out which tasks need to be prioritized at this time. That way, those you're delegating to know where to put their energy. So they may have 10 things on the list and only three are the current priorities and they're getting those done before they move to the next items. Now, tomorrow, that priority list may shift and that's fine. So long as everyone is informed about it, you and the leader both know about it if you are that woman leader who's doing the delegating. 
So setting priorities is really important. The other part about delegating effectively is you don't want to delegate and then abandon the person. You want to delegate and stay in touch. See how that task is going. See how they're progressing. See if they need something along the way. More support from you or somewhere else in order to be effective at the delegated task. So as we can see, learning to delegate effectively is a little bit bigger than what we often think it is. So that's an important one. Number six, I would say, is building confidence in the leader's realization that she has what it takes to really serve at the executive level. And a lot of times people mistakenly assume that the executives are materially different from how they are as effective business leaders. However, if you're being considered for an executive role, you already have what it takes. That doesn't mean you already know everything. Of course not. And in fact, you don't want to know everything about the next job because if you did, the job is probably too small for you and you probably need to be promoted to a bigger job. So when you step into the executive role, no, you will not know everything. That's normal. That's okay, and you will learn on the job, and that's an important part of it as well, learning on the job. I think that many female leaders especially assume that the male leaders already know a lot of information that perhaps those male leaders don't really know in advance. They're also learning on the job. It just may not be as obvious. So I think allowing women leaders to be comfortable with the fact that they will grow into the jobs, they will learn as they go. And this then ties back to their key signature strengths, skills, talents, and abilities that they will use and leverage to learn what else they also need to learn and also need to know. Number seven, I think it's also important to figure out how to navigate organizational politics. All organizations, by the way, have politics. They all do. You're not going to escape that. I don't care what kind of organization it is. And sometimes those political machinations, when women encounter these, they will often think about the assault or insult sometimes that they feel as very personal because it feels personal. And yet, even though some emotional triggers are triggered, and even though it feels personal, I think it's important to recognize that it's not about you personally. And no matter what happens, even if it's politics, and even if it's a peer or a colleague or a superior, showing a bad side of who they are, all of this is just data for you as a leader. And it's important to know where other people are coming from and where there may be some landmines and some challenges and some difficulties, because you can use that data to navigate more effectively through the organization. And sometimes the data gives you information about where you might need protection. You got to protect the left flank, the right flank, and so on, and bring in sometimes other resources to help with that. So I think that it's important 
to know what the politics are and how to negotiate through the politics while retaining the essentials of who you are as the woman leader. In other words, you have your own character, you have your values, and you have the strengths of how you lead. And what you don't want to do is to necessarily fight fire with fire. You have a toolkit that includes many approaches and many strategies, and you want to be thoughtful and strategic about whatever strategy you use to navigate the politics. And even if your colleague, even if your superior is pulling out something that may feel a little mean-spirited, may feel personal, has an edge to it, you can still choose to show up with your values and leading from who you are. And so it's important to learn how to not let other people throw you off of your game frequently. That's what other people do, is they want to throw you off your game so you're less effective. So I'll remind you that Romans 8.28 is still relevant. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things won't be good. However, everything that happens to you, God knows how to work it for your good. So even the organizational politics and the challenges that come with that are for your good. So just keep that in mind. There is a bigger picture beyond the people you're dealing with day to day at work. Someone in the heavenlies is overseeing what happens to you and is using every thread for your beautiful tapestry. Number eight, I would say, and this is really huge and really important, is to identify how to add value to the business. That means women executives need to learn the business. What is the core business of your organization and institution? And you want to tie your actions to increasing that business value. So let's say you're a woman leader and you're working in an organization that provides software solutions to other businesses. And maybe you're working in the area of human resources. Most line leaders, business leaders, they don't care about another program and something that's going to add more work and time on their plates. So as that HR leader, you need to be able to talk the language of that line leader. What's most important to them? What are they looking for? Are they in the process of hiring some new and key talent? Well, you want to have HR processes in place such that they can quickly and easily recruit that top talent, the kind that they're really looking for, which means that it's a human resources professional. You're listening well enough to be able to identify the qualities, the experience, the talent, skills that these new hires need to have in order to fulfill what is needed in the organization and by that line leader executive. And as you think about recruiting, you also want to think about retaining those people. Maybe there's something in the benefits package that makes a difference 
to the new leaders that you're recruiting and who are coming in now. You don't want to lose the high quality people out the back door because you haven't thought about what also retains them, which also means you want some robust systems in place for onboarding, for integrating them into the organization, for making sure that they're trained and that they're skilled for the job that they have as they're coming on board. A lot of times when people are neglected at work, they don't sense that others care about their development. They're just kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool. Those people will get picked off by some other organization that knows how to treat their talent and knows how to develop them. So I think whatever the functional area is, that you're in currently, whether it's human resources, it could be finances, it could be marketing, the legal department, some other area, whatever you do, you want to understand the business priorities of the line leader, their business objectives, and also their pain points so that whatever your work is, you're making their lives better. You're truly adding value to the bottom line by whatever service your functional area offers. Now, this is one of the places where I think a lot of leaders fail is they forget what the core business is and to orient all of their actions around the core business. If you do that, if you learn the business and can speak the language of the business with the line leader, you will have far more credibility and you will also see ways to improve the business and add to the bottom line from your vantage point, which then makes the line leader more willing to listen to what you have to say. Because when they meet with you, you give them tools, you give them strategies and approaches that make the business better. And that's what they're looking for. Number nine, I would say, is to prioritize continuing education First of all, for yourself, if you're a woman leader, is to prioritize your continuing education, which means, again, if you need to take some classes, go to some conferences that help you to understand the core business of your company, great. Make sure you attend those. Maybe you might need some classes on leadership or other topics, conferences on leadership and other topics. Perhaps you recognize that if you are to move into the executive ranks, you've got to work on your public speaking ability. Perhaps that's some place where you might get some additional instruction or assistance. And as you are getting your continuing education, remember to also develop your direct reports. As you meet with them on a periodic basis to review how they're doing and to share their strengths and abilities with them, You also want to identify what do they need to learn next? What are the continuing education opportunities so that they can continue to be successful in the company as well? So you are modeling for the people who report to you how to develop their people as well. And then hopefully that will cascade throughout the organization. So be thinking about development of your people and what is the continuing education that they need along the way. I would add to this that you want to set up some feedback mechanisms. That means you want to have feedback from those who are 
higher than you are, above you in the organization, bosses and other senior leaders, and you want feedback coming from the ground up from direct reports and other people about how you're leading and the initiatives that you're putting in place. So set it up so that you can have two-way dialogues. And as you're meeting with your direct reports, ask them what they would like to see you do more of, what they'd like to see you do less of, and what they'd like to see you do in a different way, maybe something that you're not doing at all at this point. It could be something new that they think would be beneficial to them or beneficial to the organization. So remember to get feedback and then also give feedback to those who report to you. And as we have said in other places, make sure that four times as often you're letting them know what they do well and how it's benefiting the company. And then that one time out of five, you let them know something that they could improve on. So give feedback and also be open to receiving feedback. And this is all part of your continuous education, your continuous growth and development. Number 10, I would refer to as obtain resources, both internal and external, so that you get to where you want to go You get there faster and you get there prepared. And one of the statements I use in my own business for how I come alongside my clients is that I elevate and accelerate their leadership impact. And that's important because the pace of business these days is very fast. And you want to go at the trajectory that is at pace with the business. You don't want to lag behind. So that means bringing some resources around you. So I'm going to name a few of those resources that are important, both inside the organization and outside of your organization, because you may have career opportunities in beyond your company. It may be at another institution that you'll go to in the future. You want to have some sponsors and some champions, some people who are at a senior executive level who are familiar with your work and, again, can mention your name in the right rooms so that you have the opportunities that you want in the future. Now, because these people are mentioning you, it's very important for you to keep them informed about what future opportunities you're looking for and what you're seeking to do in the future. You are the one who's in charge of your career. And gone are the days when companies are primarily responsible for looking at each person and figuring out where you might serve best in the future and making sure you have those opportunities. We hope that that happens. However, sometimes it doesn't. So take charge of your own career. Make sure the sponsors, the champions, your bosses, your mentors, make sure that they know what you're looking for and where you're going and what would be exciting to you in the future. And also be open to what they might suggest that you hadn't thought about. There could be a future opportunity that you hadn't considered, and yet it would be perfect for both your desires, your interests, and also the skill set that you have and where you're going in the future. So that's number one, sponsors and champions. Make sure you have some of those. You also want to have mentors along the way. And a mentor is someone who's at a more senior level than you in the organization. They know who's who in the organization. They can help populate your stakeholder map 
because they have a perspective on who you need to know in the organization in order to achieve the objectives that you're stating that you want to see materialize for yourself in the future. They also have very valuable information on navigating the system, navigating your corporate environment, including navigating the politics, what to do and what not to do. And that's often very organization specific. So you want your mentors to be in touch enough inside the organization to know what you need to know as a woman executive. I'd also say it's important to have some coaches And I'll talk first about the internal ones. First, your boss is a great coach, and we've already talked about some ways that the boss can coach you. Another very valuable way that the boss can be a coach, also mentors and sponsors and champions can serve in this role, is thinking about the next level challenging jobs that you need to be prepared to lead effectively at that executive level. You want the boss to give some input about that. Again, to broaden your scope to the enterprise-wide level, to fill in the gaps that exist now, because maybe if you've been in HR all your career, you might need another job over here in a different area, in a different department to give you a different perspective, and they can help with that. You also might want to gather some peer coaches If you have the kind of internal corporate culture where there are peers elsewhere in the business, elsewhere in the organization, where you can establish a trusting relationship and you could get together to really encourage and elevate one another, then great. Some company cultures don't have that level of trust and you may have to get your peer coaches from outside of your organization maybe even people in a diverse group of industries, not necessarily your own industry. You can cross-pollinate and share best practices across industries. So remember to consider peers that you might meet at conferences or in other places. And I'm not talking about a large group. This could be a group of three to four people that you meet with monthly or on a regular basis so that as a peer coach, you're elevating each other's success. Then I would talk about also external advisors and external consultants that may be helpful to have in place. And that's the role that I have with the clients that I work with. And as an external advisor, I'm able to broaden the perspectives of those I work with because I have experience in other industries and I can bring some thoughts, some outside perspectives, some new ideas and some ways of doing things that they haven't thought about cross-pollinated from other business sectors. Maybe it's a nonprofit idea that comes to the for-profit sector, or maybe it's a for-profit idea that goes to the, the government. In any case, when you work with an external advisor, they usually have a broader scope of where they're operating, and that can be to your benefit. Also, an outside advisor creates safety, a safe environment, which you may not always have internally because of the organizational politics, competition, and whatever else may be going on with your external advisor. You can talk about anything. 
And you don't have to be perfect as you're talking about it. You have the freedom to be what I call raggedy or not to know everything. That's the whole reason the external advisor is there. So you can let your hair hang down, said, you know, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I need some input. Here's where I need some advice and counsel. And I find that what women often don't realize is that men have successfully used all of these systems for years. You as a woman leader are not expected to do all of these things for yourself. You need resources, both internal and external. And accessing and using those resources is wisdom. It doesn't mean that you're weak. And a lot of men already know this. When you have these additional resources, it gives you a greater line of sight about what's really going on both inside the business and also outside of the business. Some years ago, when I was working with the Navy, and I was working with colonels, really as the Navy would call it, captains, who were about to be promoted to admiral, or they were just promoted into the rank of admiral and had already started their admiral position and job. So here are flag-level officers, general-level officers, as we would say in the Army, but this was the Navy, so there were admirals. And they found that as they got promoted into these roles, they would have these additional resources. All of a sudden, now they have a driver. Now they have an extra level of clerical and an administrative support. And maybe they even have someone to run personal errands, take clothes to the cleaners or whatever. And some of the women leaders like, well, why do I need that? Well, you need that because the military is paying you to focus on these strategic issues. They don't want to waste your time on things that take time and that keep you away from the strategic leadership role. And so these are not nice to haves. These are necessary so that the military, so that the government gets what they're paying for in terms of your high-level executive role in the military. I find that even when I travel and I'm going to a client location, there are times when I may have an hour's drive to get to where I am, to where they are after I've landed in their city. It's much more reasonable for me to hire a limo to take me there because in that time in the limo, I can be doing some work that prepares me. And when I arrive to my destination, I'm fresh, I'm ready to go, I'm not jarred by traffic or anything else navigating in a city that I'm unfamiliar with. Same thing's true with traveling on the airplane, traveling internationally. It may be more appropriate to travel business class or first class so that you can get your work done, arrive rested in the right frame of mind rather than being squeezed into a center seat in the back of the plane and you can't get anything done, plus you arrive to your destination worn out. So these are things to think about. I also remember when I was in the military, there were women who were being promoted and advanced ahead of schedule, and they were skipping some preparation and some levels. And as an advisor to commanders and leaders at the time, one of the things that I shared with them is that these women did not have the same benefit 
of their male colleagues who had years of preparation before they got to these senior leader roles. And the women were being promoted quickly because they wanted women in higher level positions and they didn't have the women in place already. So we talked about what those women were going to need as these additional resources and supports to make sure that they were successful and that they did not derail. And a lot of times the male leaders did not understand the importance of this until we had those conversations. So think about the same thing for you or for other women leaders in your organization. So I will just summarize briefly the 10 items that I've covered today. Number one, identify and celebrate the strengths, gifts, and talents of the women leaders. Number two, develop an enterprise-wide lens, help them to do that. Number three, to establish and nurture key strategic relationships in the organization. Four, to partner with their boss and other senior leaders so that they can better prepare for the executive role. Five, learn to delegate effectively. Six, build confidence in their abilities. They are in the right place at the right time. They are prepared for executive leadership. Number seven, learn to navigate organizational politics. Number eight, add value to the business. Number nine, prioritize their continuing education. And number 10, obtain internal and external resources like sponsors and champions and mentors and coaches and advisors and consultants. I'd like to close today's segment with a verse from Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and verse 29. And when you hear the word man in this verse, I want you to think of any person because this applies to any person, whether male or female. And in God's economy, he created male and female, and he called them man collectively. So you've got man, you've got woman, and you've got human. So man is all inclusive in this case. So the verse says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. So women, what I want you to know is the sky is the limit. You can go anywhere you want to go. And as you excel in your career and bring your A game and excellence, you too will serve before proverbial kings and queens in the business industry. So to your success, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.